Hey everyone, welcome to the Longhorn live stream on a Wednesday night. My name is Ray Peters. I'm alongside the traditional Wednesday night uh, superstar attraction, Rod Babers. But look at who we got tonight with us. Justin Wells is out partying with Travis Scott somewhere. But we got Jerry Hamilton joining us tonight. So Rod, that's that's pretty sweet uh, fill-in material right there, right? No doubt, so, man. Uh, Bring up the all-star, this, the all-star team. <laughs> how about that? This guy, he knows his stuff. Hey, Jerry obviously knows just about everything there is about recruiting. He's a Longhorn insider, has all the scoop on what's going on with the team, so we'll be very well served tonight. I understand I might have a touch of a delay on my internet service here. You know, you spend all the cash on the best possible one you can get, and it still sucks on occasion. You know what? But that's that's life, right? But uh, hopefully you'll be patient with me, and I appreciate the uh, good greetings from every Brisbane, Australia. That's Jerry, awesome. You like attention to where the folks are. Oh, I love where they check in. Hey, I'm not on a delay in Brisbane. I'm I'm actually early over there. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know how the rotation of the world works, but maybe I'm correct on that one. You never know. But hey, welcome everyone. Again, this is uh, Wednesday. Rod and I were here last night, so thanks for being patient and letting me uh, hop in and host this thing. We uh, love talking Longhorn football and. Hey, got some interesting news from the Associated Press today. Jerry, you want to share what uh, those folks, uh, the news gatherers, had to say about the quality of some of our Longhorn football players throughout the first half of the 2023 season? For sure, Ray. I mean, first half AP, uh, first half of the season, AP All-America team uh, came out today, was announced today. uh, Jonathan Brooks, first team. Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, second team. University of Texas sent out that. Uh, release right there on Twitter. That's really awesome for Jonathan Brooks, uh, Rod. I mean, if Vegas had a prop bet before the season, I can't imagine what that number would have been, that Jonathan Brooks would have been a midseason first-team All-American at running back. Yeah, I'm with you. Not only is he the biggest surprise so far for the Texas football team, I mean, he may be one of the biggest surprise stories in all of college football. When you think of him sitting behind Bijan and Rojo right, for a couple of years and everybody, you know, assuming, man, Bijan and Rojo leave, there's going to be a drop-off. How can there not be a drop-off right. when you got Bijan, a first-round running back, and Rojo also an NFL caliber running back? Of course there's going to be a drop-off unless you're running back you. Well, you know what? Maybe Texas is running back you. Maybe they're asserting themselves that Jonathan Brooks is uh, playing at that kind of level, and he definitely is right now as a Doak Walker Award finalist uh, candidate, and I think he's well on his way. And it's it's hard for an NFL uh, for a running back to start to increase his NFL draft stock because the the position overall is so devalued. Um, But I saw our pro football focus. I think it's like top 75 prospects or something like that they have out there, and – they had him as the top running back on the board. Crazy, crazy yeah. times we live in, man. Wow. So shout out to Jonathan Brooks, man, because I he this is a guy that didn't even earn the starting spot uh, to start the season. Yeah. Yet that that was just a competitive, you know, chip on his shoulder that he used to drive him. Shout out to Jay Brooks, man. I got a lot of respect for him. He's a hell of a player, and that's that's a hell of a story, man, that he's got going. And the guy's got real winner's DNA. And I got better news for Jonathan Brooks. Okay, look, he had his number retired Friday at Houtsville High School. First team AP All-American. Hey, Jonathan, I got even better news for you. U of H is ranked 97 in the country against the run. BYU's <laughs> ranked 80. So uh, congratulations on the next two weeks' success to you, young man. 
Because those teams haven't stopped anybody this year on the ground. That's something else. Hey, it's the Longhorn live stream. And uh, we wanted to uh, thank our uh, featured uh, sponsor tonight. And that's Energy Texas. And so let's uh, give a, a quick shout out to Energy Texas if we can. There's the, uh, the phone number on the screen right there. So there are two types of people. There are people who are from Texas and folks who wish they were. At Energy Texas, we're for Texans by Texans and our rewards program prove it. So revel in savings just for being a faithful customer. So visit energytexas.com to learn more, save more, and get the excellent service you deserve. Again, that's energytexas.com. And let's give you that phone number you see on your screen there, 855-461-1129, 855-461-1129, energytexas.com. Again, Energy Texas, Texas Electricity done right our uh, featured sponsor tonight and so we're very grateful for them supporting the program here and we'll mention them a couple more times tonight just because they're uh, nice folks who are helping us out here hey let's get some super chats in too that'll move you up to the top of the list but if you have a question for a folk uh, a guy like rod babers or jerry hamilton they're happy to talk about the longhorn football or recruiting and we got some uh, uh highlighted ones over here that we can throw up matthew what do you got for me here what do you want to get started with matthew's my producer here we uh we love uh, Matthew. He's a big help to us. Uh, yeah. E. Kim. Hey, that's a name we see on here all the time. And the question is for Jerry. It says, uh, well, Jerry, what other areas of the country should Texas recruit more? E. Kim believes Southern Georgia outside of Atlanta to the Florida border. I think he's been listening to, to your uh, comments on coffee and football, right? He And he's a very much a studier of uh, recruiting because he's 100% correct, Ray. I I think Georgia, look, Atlanta area, that's no holds barred recruiting now. I mean, that is a tough sledding recruiting area uh, around the country right now. But there are way more power five prospects out there than Georgia can sign in that state. It's an extremely talented state. Georgia's going to make some extremely difficult decisions because they also have a national recruiting footprint. There is a lot of talent to be, ha to be had uh, south of Atlanta in Georgia, all the way down uh, to that Florida border. I totally agree, all the way down through Jacksonville. Uh, I, I am 100% with Ekim. I think South Carolina and North Carolina East, I don't know how much resources you put in North Carolina East of the research triangle, unless you have somebody who has real relationships there. But there is a lot of high-end talent that just needs some developmental time out that way. Billy Glasscock was at NC State. I just don't know if Sark wants to put resources out there. There's only so much time and so many days you can be on the road and recruiting. Uh, but that South Georgia area to me is uh, the number one area from Atlanta south to the Florida border uh, is the one area that I'd love to see Texas continue to get more into, although that's tougher because it's it's you know it takes more time to recruit down there. It's easy to send to Shard Choice in Atlanta and hit seven schools in a day. Over you know over three days you hit twenty schools. It's a little bit mm. more difficult to hit all those schools, so it does come down to time. But I absolutely love. Look, uh, Texas is offering kids in an area I wasn't really expecting, I, I, and I thought they would dabble. But and that's Dade and Broward County. I, I knew Tampa, um, Tampa and Orlando, and even Jacksonville areas. Texas was going to hit. But now they've dipped into Miami. They offered a D-tackle committed to Auburn, Dimitri Nicholas. They offered a 2024 linebacker committed to Miami. 
Uh, they offered a 2025 D lineman committed to Miami. Maybe they uh, maybe they just figure if Mario doesn't know how to take a knee that uh, they can go in there and recruit <laughs> some of these guys. But it's mm-hmm. funny that they're starting hitting these areas after uh, that blow up. Uh, but I just love Texas recruiting more in Florida, guys. I really do. It, again, there's probably the second most talented state, if not the most talented state. Them and Texas will go back and forth in NFL drafts a lot of times. But there's only three power five schools in that state, and that's Florida State, Florida, and Miami. And Florida, you know, you don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, Miami, you don't really know what's going to happen there. So there are kids that are willing to leave that state right now. It's not like it was when Rod was coming up and he used to watch uh, uh, Bobby Bowden versus Miami Mm -hmm. and versus Spurrier and one of those three teams in the national championship literally every year when Rod was growing up. Those days are – they don't exist in Florida right now. I love recruiting the state of Florida if I'm Texas. And can I add to Jerry's point? Because yep. there's not much to add because Jerry just nailed it as always. I once did my own little study about metro areas yep. that produce the most NFL talent. I went back to 2020. So we're talking about just kind of a you know three-year uh, sample size here. Uh, but DFW ended up number two um, in terms of, Metro areas producing the most NFL uh, draftable players, and Atlanta was number one. Yeah. Atlanta was by it, it was by far and away number by one. Far. Yeah, that, that's where where the most population growth has been, like the last 10, 12 years. Um, and look, I mean, the, the crazy thing about that Atlanta area is if you're willing to get in there and get in some real slug fests, I mean, look at who Clemson won national championships with. Mm. There were a lot of Atlanta guys. Yep. And when Kirby came in, that had to stop. I mean, that had to stop and slow down. I had to slow down before it could stop. But, I mean, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guys that Dabo won his two national title was, where, I mean, it, Lawrence was about an hour and a half outside of Atlanta. But still, they're out they're Atlanta yeah. area kids when you're looking mm-hmm. at the map. Uh, but that Atlanta area, what makes Atlanta area so good is it's loaded at every position. And that's why I think the NFL production is high. When you get into Dade and Broward County, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks, maybe bigger offensive line guys down there. There's skill out the kazoo. But in, in Atlanta area, doing this nationally for a long time, every position in that state, in that area. Hey, uh, Matthew, at 716, Daniel Kenneman asked uh, something, a basic question about football, but it's uh, a legitimate question that, you know, sometimes we we have our lingo and our terms that we're very familiar with, but not everyone is, and there's nothing to be embarrassed about that. And uh, I, I played football. I was an ex, Rod. You think yeah. you could have hung with me? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if you were born yet when I was in high school. So maybe you couldn't. <laughs> hey, but anyway, you get down you know, about what a, a wide receiver – back in my days, we called them XYZs, but flanker, you know, tight end, wide receiver. Yeah. Can you just describe the differences and the different terminology we use and what – off the line, up on the yeah. line, that kind of thing. For, for um, the, uh, guys yeah, do. no doubt. And thanks for the question, Daniel. Usually uh, the X is the on the receiver that's on the line of scrimmage. Like I said, the X. And like Ray said, Ray was playing receiver back when they got down to I pointed at the referee. I said, am I on the line, ref? He said, yes, young man, you are. There you go. You're exactly. bad, yeah. but you're on the line. Ray played there before go. they were bunch sets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I played wing T, wing T with an X. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yeah, then uh usually your your Z receiver is in your Z receiver was the um back in the day they call him like the flanker. 
guy that's off the off the line of scrimmage. Um, and the why is interesting now because in the modern game, your why for a lot of teams, some teams it's their tight end, and for yep. some teams it's their slot. I've seen it for both, and usually it's the tight end, and then your slot is something else. Like Tom Herman called his slot the H. It was supposed to mean hybrid. So he had an X, he had a Z, he had an H, and he had a Y. And his tight end was the Y. So it just depends on what system you're talking about. Everybody's got, you know, every and, and Jerry knows this because Jerry's around coaches a lot and uh, he grew up as a coach's kid. It, it's everybody's got different terminology, but pretty much that's the that's the basics of it, the gist of it. Let's uh, see what else we got here. There's, boy, E. Kim's been busy tonight, so we we, we like that. Hey, I've seen my questions about portal and uh, receiver transfers. Now, there's hand wringing over uh, Ryan Wingo. Looks like he's probably headed to Missouri. Uh, he was never on board, to be perfectly honest. Right? He was never commit to us. So he may have been a lean. It it seemed at some point. So what do you think? What's the the future of recruiting and recruiting the high school kids and the portal um, is receiver one that is manageable with portal, or I know you'd always like to have some good true uh, high school kids coming in your pipeline, but can uh, that position be managed just as well or nearly as well with uh, portal kids? I think that's the receiver. Uh, that's a position where you get the best players out of the portal. Uh, quite frankly, as wide receiver, there's the most high end talent of any position in the portal at wide receiver. And look, I know a lot of people are asking about uh, uh, Ryan uh, Wingo, but look, I mean, everybody's got a limit. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you got to mm. make decisions at some point because uh, there has you got to have a limit um, because else that bleeds into other recruits, other recruitments. Um, and you don't want to go the way of College Station on some of these things. So, uh, who's four and three and is on the decommitment train shortly? So, um, it, the portal is a great place to go get wide receivers. I mean, look, just think about where we were uh, this time last year. Uh, Jonte Cook was it was in the boat. DeAndre Moore's not in the boat. People were wondering what was going on at wide receiver recruiting. You get Ad Mitchell out of the portal. Well, I can guarantee you this, guys. Nobody you signed in high school was better than A.D. Mitchell was for this Texas team this year. Not possible, no chance. Yeah. So that we're talking about a guy that had caught national footballs in the national championship game and every college football playoff game he's been in and has made big plays against Alabama and helped you win there. Those guys coming out of high school don't exist um, to that level. So you can get big time players out of the portal. And it, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. And, and I'll say this, I would rather have the very good experienced player, a wide receiver position out of the portal rod and Ray, especially if you're breaking in a first year starting quarterback next year, I would want experienced Ooh. wide receivers. Great point. Great point. Yeah. Really good point there. Hey, Matthew, this is a little bit inside baseball for uh, the folks here on the stream. Uh, I'm not, getting i probably needed to relog in or something at some point but i'm not getting the uh different uh segregated comments over here that we usually see so feel free to just kind of grab some comments and throw them up and i'll i'll run with it sir so uh tim bachelor writes jerry if we lose out on wingo and that looks like that's a distinct possibility what about the parker livingstone the big outside uh, wide receiver we got lovejoy i believe is where he's from correct yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's not the Ryan Wingo level talent. Parker Livingstone's a good player who's uh, out, out, I believe, for the season. He, he With a foot injury, he hasn't played. Um, look, he's not that level of prospect. Obviously, he's a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player, can't develop into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a big, he's a big outside receiver, but Texas will go heavy portal at that position guys. I mean, if, if, if Wingo does go to Missouri, as I expect now, um, then I think Texas is going to go heavy portal there. Like uh, people were wondering if Isaiah Williams, the kid out of Tampa has that offer had anything to do with Wingo. It did not. He is, he plays more that worthy position where Mm. Wingo plays, would play that A.D. Mitchell position, just what we were talking about, positions within the wide receiver scheme and on the field. Two different players, two different receivers uh, positionally in Texas's eyes. Hey, Bobby Brown has a good one there. Hey, read my mind there, Matthew. This is prerogative to ask this question. Hmm. It was too easy. Do you guys think there will be a change in the depth chart starting the second <clears throat> half of the season? And what changes would you guys make? What do you think? Woo. Oh, that is good. Um, I think there will be there'll definitely be more reps from the younger guys, right? The, right. Some of those impact freshmen. Uh Anthony Hill is probably at the top of my list as a guy that's gonna get more reps. And not that David Bender hadn't been great, he's been awesome. Um, but I think the number of snaps he's gonna get in the rotation will continue to increase. And here's why, actually. And it actually serves Texas even better. And this is we're getting, I'm going to go off the rails here a little bit, but trust me, we'll come back to it at all. It all, it's all relevant. Have you guys paid attention to what's going on in the Big 12? Now, Texas and Oklahoma are far and away the best teams in the Big 12 aiming close. If they don't end up playing in the Big 12 title game, something went horribly wrong for both of those teams. But we don't know who the hell the third best team is in the Big 12. Right. We have it likely no idea. won't be West Virginia. Probably won't be West Virginia at the end, right? Exactly. But think about how many teams have changed quarterbacks. Jalen Daniels, Daniels' injuries impacted the Big 12 race a lot already. Exactly, right? And TCU just changed their quarterback. They just got uh, better. K-State, <laughs> K-State right? Got his yeah. young Avery Johnson out there balling. They changed him. Uh, he ends up playing a lot of snaps. Now they now there's an or on the depth chart between he and Will Howard. Uh, Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma State has finally figured out who their quarterback is. My point is this. Uh, we thought the quarterback landscape would look a certain way, and it's not. You're going to need Anthony Hill in that mm. role as a spy a lot more than you thought. Right. Yeah. And I I think that, you know, you're going to see him. But First of all, you're going to see him in this game as the, as that spy at times when Texas wants to play man coverage and Donovan Smith is going to try to replicate some of the stuff that Dylan Gabriel did with quarterback draws uh, and the scrambling, uh, extending plays, second reaction plays, and even design quarterback runs. Uh, so I think it just in that role alone, he'll play a little bit more, but I think you'll see him more in the kind of traditional off-ball linebacker role. He's a guy you're going to see more, Malik Muhammad and Derek Williams. I'll just stick on defense. Those are the three guys you'll definitely see on defense more. I got a little one for you, Rod and Ray. Uh, Rod, we like Kalen DeBoer's offense at Washington, right? Oh, yeah. Love it. You know where Josh Hoover was committed before he ended up at TCU? Indiana to play for Kalen DeBoer, who was the OC, TCU's new starting quarterback. Uh, Josh Hoover's very talented guy. Um, He would have been the next in line behind uh, Michael Penix at Indiana if Kalen DeBoer was still the OC there. That's where he was headed. So, Kalen DeBoer's got a pretty good quarterback eye, we're finding out. So, Josh 
Hoover at TCU playing in that scheme with Kendall Browse. He has his entire high school career. Uh, I've said before, but uh, Ray, it may not have heard it. Rockwall Heath, the head coach, uh, when Josh Hoover came through, was the roommate and best friend of Art Browse. Ran the same offense. This Hoover kid's been in that system now for six wow. years. Nice. Uh, so, it, so it's like the Dylan Gabriel a little bit for TCU. Nice. Yeah, they have a guy who's ex- and I'm not saying he's to be that good. He's just started one game, but I'm talking like long term for TCU. Yeah, they have a guy who's played in the system since he was 14. Hmm. So by year two and three, TCU may have a little something, and Texas won't have to worry about it. Uh, but the big bad boys in Lubbock may have to worry about it. <laughs> Everything runs through Lubbock. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a lot of talk about Evan Stewart, and I, I appreciate the comments by folks who are saying that he's already had two years in the system. He's probably not going to transfer just for one. But Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, here's my thing there is um, – and everybody's like, well, if, hey, if Jimbo gets fired, you know, would Evan Stewart jump in the portal? It depends on who A&M hires. It might be better for him. We You just don't know. He has one year left of college football before he's going to the NFL – um, he has both quarterbacks will, will be back on that roster unless somebody transfers out. So it's hard It's hard to say there uh, anything like if there was a change, major change or shakeup at A&M because the reality is you don't know until a new guy is hired. It could be better for him. You just don't hey, know. Hey, Gary, you wrote, you wrote an article on uh, A&M uh, today yeah. on Inside Texas, and everybody should join Inside Texas. So I think the focus there was mostly recruits, not necessarily yeah. what would happen to – the existing team if a change were made just simply i guess the concept of the article was if kind of this you know the old roller coaster that we always think the yeah. Aggies, if it continues on the downward slope your take on what's happening with AM and how that might affect recruits and the like in the future yeah i i think uh i think the door's not cracked it's wide open right now with some mm. of their kids uh that's just a reality you know the draylon miller from silsby decommitting a lean to lsu he loves usc but the first go round, he wasn't going that far from home. Family wasn't wasn't having that USC thing. He still likes USC, but I'm looking more east to LSU now. I think LSU could be a huge benefactor if kids start jumping out of that class right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you look at um, Weston Davis, the offensive lineman from Beaumont United. And I'm not, guys, I'm not sitting here saying guys are going to decommit. But what I am to tell you is Draylon Miller. Uh, Terry Bussey, I mean, was at LSU last week. And if I'm putting in a flipping RPM pick right now, I'm pit, putting it in for LSU. Uh, mm. And Weston Davis, they're all East Texas, Southeast Texas kids. Those kids are really tight. There's Ty Anthony Smith at Jasper. He's the one that factors in for Texas the most because Choate was at Jasper High Thursday, and Texas is really trying on him. LSU's also trying to make inroads there with Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, so LSU sees blood in the water clearly in A&M's class. Kids that LSU was already – I mean, LSU finished second on Weston Davis. Terry Bussey had visited right before he committed uh, to A&M. Draylon Miller came down to A&M, LSU, uh, and USC the first go-round. Uh, the interesting one, there's Blake Ivey. I actually went by Clear Springs today just to maybe welfare check on Blake Ivey's recruitment, the offensive lineman, four-star guard. Uh, he's actually out for the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, he seems pretty solid to AM, but they're one school again that's sitting there saying, Hey, if you want to jump in on Sunday, we'll take you as Brad Davis, offensive line coach at LSU. So that's going to be the interesting twist there right now. Is one of those guys really plays into it for Texas right now, Ty Anthony Smith? LSU uh, is looking pretty decent with some of those other guys. 
I've seen some questions about Sadir Mitchell. What can you tell us about the anything on, on Sadir's progress? Now, you know, look, I think he's getting better. Um, I think he's just growing up. He's maturing as a football player, as a student, everything that goes along with it. I think he was um, had some young moments early on. Um, I think Bo Davis coaches kids hard. You have to come in and realize that this isn't bully high school ball anymore. You have to develop as a player. He's got a lot of ability, a lot of ability. He can be more than an over-the-ball player. He can be an over-the-ball player that's a disruptor. Um, he's, he's down about 30 pounds. It's a, uh, it, it's a developmental process. And, and I say this with some of those big kids, offensive linemen, big kids on a D line that come in and they have to lose a little weight, get, build up some technique things. They got to have patience. If they have patience, really, really good things happen. And I think Sadir's gotten better as the seasons moved along. Bobby touched on something this morning. I totally agree with Sark's talks, Rod. We talked about it, consistency, consistency with, with for players is what Sark's after. So, Ray, what, what Sark wants is not um, eight plays and five of them you're, you're doing things right and playing hard. He wants four plays with max effort and max technique. Uh, so, because we're what we're talking about, Texas getting out of rushing lanes against Oklahoma, right, Rod? Mm -hmm. I mean, those were experienced players. So what's an inexperienced yep. player going to do in that situation? That it, once once Sadir gets more consistency in his game, then you'll start to see him on the field more when it matters. Because he has talent. He's not void. Hey, Rod, you've watched the team so far this year. I mean, clearly there's some standouts among the freshmen. Uh, they're the usual suspects. Are there some – Names that we're not thinking uh, off the top, you know, a clear Anthony Hill and Derek Williams that you have seen some sparks from anybody that's kind of caught your eye that makes you think, you know, this kid's got something moving forward. Uh, you know, interesting. I, th I think Sark is kind of, you know, they're they're going to tighten up some of the rotations potentially um, with some of the younger guys, especially after the bye week. I mean, Sark talked about getting the young guys reps uh, in the bye weeks just to make sure that they still, you know, have that kind of competitive uh, those that competitive edge, uh, even in the bye week, you still know they're competing for spots that they can still rise up the depth chart. They can still get some quality reps out there. I'm glad he did that because that's important for the young guys competing for spots. Um, but you know, for, for, I think there's one player that if Sark is hinting that he wants to get out there more, that's a young guy is Jonte Cook. Yeah, um, and right. Jerry's talked about the wide receiver position overall and how Texas is going to attack it in the future in the transfer portal. I always talk about how deep the wide receiver position is overall in all levels of football. But he even said after the Oklahoma game that that's something that he wanted to do in the Oklahoma game that he didn't do was get Jontae Cook out there, find more opportunities for him. Um, that's, you know, you haven't seen a lot of them, just flashes of them. But I think in the second half of the season, Sark's going to find a way to get him out there. Um, and I think it could be with different, you know, formations and different like, kind of personnel groupings. Uh, but I think you're going to see more of Jontae Cook. In terms of some of the other guys, maybe, you know, you could see more Sabian Red. I know uh, mm -hmm. my man Jerry talks about Sabian Red's ability as a kind of a short yardage back and a power back. Uh, we see him in the Red Cat, but Sark said he has a niche now as a short yardage back. They need some juice in the red zone. Jerry talked about it before the season even started, that he thought Sabian Red would be good in the red zone. Maybe now it's starting to come to fruition. Uh, so that's another guy that, you know, I think Sark likes. He's just trying to find a way to get him on the field. You know, you got first world problems on offense. You're so damn talented that, yeah. and you got depth. You want to get some of those guys out there, but you know, even at, it's kind of goes to the severe Mitchell thing too. 
I mean, yeah, I'm sure that he's improving. He's got a lot of things he's got to work on. But you're deep at that interior D line. Ernie Broughton's improvement has knocked every, made it tougher for some other guys to get on the field this year. Because yeah. he was not expected to improve like he has. Yeah, you're like five, you're four, five deep there if you include Trill. Trill's just now getting yeah. healthy, too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so it's not always just the young man's not developing uh, at the rate you want him to. Sometimes you got a first world problem. Like, man, we got so many blacks playing good who have earned those reps. I'm having a hard time getting all these players on the field. Um, and I think that's where Texas is right now. That's that's a credit to Sark and him churning out this roster and churning out the bottom of it to get the talent that he needs. Uh, we don't have to bring it up, but we've had a couple of questions about safety recruiting. Xavier Phil same. Uh, the five-star commit to Florida out of McKinney. He's at the top of that board of the guys they're trying, they're looking at that are committed elsewhere. Miles Davis is is definitely blowing. I, I don't. Some people are asking. Definitely, I think Texas would take one high school safety and look in the portal, guys. I'm mm-hmm. not sure they would take two high school safeties. They already have one committed. Hey Matthew, we'll go to the super chat. Then I hope you can queue up the uh, Energy Texas uh, promo for me following that. But I really appreciate it, sir. But uh, Lane C. Right asks, is Gary Patterson? Still an analyst for Texas. He feels like his expertise against these scramble offenses would come in handy the next six weeks. Gary? No, he is an analyst for Titleist Pro V1 right now. Um, <laughs> and But I can, I can tell people this. He wants to coach again. Take yeah. it to the bank. But I don't think analyst is what he – I think he wants another opportunity, guys. I think he's been out long enough to where if he got an opportunity he liked, he would jump at it. I don't think he's done coaching unless he doesn't get an opportunity he likes. That's where mm-hmm. I take that to the bank on Gary. Uh, no doubt um, if GP was a part of the think tank, it would help. I mean, he's, oh, one of the greatest, yeah. he's one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. But I think PK's done a done a, done a pretty good job so far. Sure he has, in, yeah. In, yeah, in, in, in game planning. It's just some situations and some – specific circumstances we've seen this defense struggle uh and i think that the thing that comes to mind for me is a two-minute defense at the end of the first half in the oklahoma game end of this the, obviously the end of the game those kind of two-minute situations and not that you know you let them score i mean hell man that that happens uh, but they played their worst defense of the game in those situations i mean that against oklahoma most of their defensive breakdowns, I mean, you're going to look at those two drives, the end of the halves, end of the half and the end of the game. Uh, basically, I believe it's total of 15 plays, if I'm not mistaken, total. And Texas in all missed six tackles uh, uh, total in those drives. You had a, a, a P.I. call uh, in that on that last drive. You had two coverage busts um, out of those plays. You had a gap integrity breakdown. I mean, you had so many mental errors in the most pivotal and critical time of the game defensively. I think that's something PK's definitely got to work on um, because I think teams will try to replicate that because we know the up-tempo gave the defense a little bit of trouble, right? It was able to neutralize the pass rush a little bit. Uh, The defensive line, not that they got tired, the defensive front a little bit winded, and they couldn't get home. The pass rush couldn't get home, and – as Jerry mentioned earlier, trying to stay in your pass rush lanes uh, sometimes affects your ability as a pass rusher because you can't just get after the quarterback. You got to make sure you do it with discipline. 
And I think at times that, that, that disrupted the Texas pass rush too. But that was all part of the game plan. That was all part of the other tempo. I think you're going to see that against your base. So I just think PK right now situationally has to get Texas up to speed. Uh, they handle those situations, two minute defense, uh, handling the up tempo quarterback run game was something they struggled with. These are not systemic issues. These are circumstantial issues that kind of pop up out of nowhere for Texas. I think they can fix those problems, but they will be presented with the same exact problems that they had versus Oklahoma defensively in this game against U of H, not to the level of expertise or the uh, elite level that Oklahoma executes, but they still will, will pretty much single white female that Oklahoma game plan. Sorry for the obscure movie reference. A couple no, things, right? A couple things, real quick, yeah, right? Uh, the best five-five player in baseball history hit a home run. It's four nothing uh, for those keeping up. Um, and then uh, somebody asked one basketball question about Dylan Mitchell. There's been some talk about Mitchell um, uh, in the basketball scrimmage last night. Uh, somebody asked well, how much did he improve in the offseason. Let's see. No, no games have been played mm-hmm. yet. Dylan Mitchell has first-round potential, but the word Sark used about consistency earlier. Dylan's got to be consistent from 12, 15, 17 feet this year shooting the basketball. And if he does that, he'll be a first-round pick. So moving on, somebody asked a real quick also about the 2026 DB from Fort Bend, Marshall, Isaiah Williams. Um, one of the – if I had to pick the three best pure prospects I've seen this year in person, he'd be one of them, regardless wow. of classification. Wow. Isaiah Williams has hellacious potential. He's 6'2" almost 200 pounds, probably has a 79-inch wingspan, plays safety, um, a big-time player, physical. Every step he takes, it's explosive. There's some suddenness. There's some pop to it. Uh, that kid's got an extremely bright future if he keeps ascending. As long as he keeps going like this, he has a chance to be big-time guys. By the way, Gary Patterson is 63 years old, and Mac Brown thinks that's just a baby. So. <laughs> there you go. Gary's got plenty of uh, opportunity speaking to get about, back in the game. Of undefeated, speaking of undefeated teams, Mac yeah. Brown's still one See of the – Yes, sir. Give him a good quarterback, and he's a pretty damn good coach, huh? Woo. He does have that. Aren't they Somebody uh, named Paxton asked about Tim Brando calling the game. I don't think Tim Brando will be calling this game. I think it's uh, – I don't know his last name, but there's Jason Benanti, something along those lines, and Brock Hewitt, I think, will be the crew from Fox. Okay. We're going to take care of the game on Saturday, uh, Texas at Houston. Um, hey, Dax Kelm threw us a, a shot here. So um, is there a way both Malik and Arch are horns next season? How does a new quarterback with little game experience affect wide receiver high school recruiting as well as in the portal? So who'd like to jump on this one? Yeah, I'll jump on that. Uh, from the quarterback position, yes. Here's how it happens. No declared starter this spring competition it's really close we don't know what we're going to do guys this is a big competition both guys are playing well we want to see this carry into the fall then you carries into august then you name your starter a couple weeks before the season and then the guy who doesn't win the job is one play away that season that doesn't go well then they transfer that is how the race could conceivably play out that's just that. That's the to me the only way both those guys are there next year. It's the only way Malik stays. Um, yeah. New QB battle with little game experience. I mean, I mean, I I, I don't know. I think uh, um, 
I'm just not worried about that one. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, somebody on Inside Texas morning said, well, Texas hadn't signed a five-star receiver if Wingo goes elsewhere. Or John Tay Cook was a five-star receiver. Xavier Worthy was ranked as a five-star receiver by – I was yeah. one of the guys over – two guys over rankings at on three. We had uh, Xavier Worthy ranked as a five-star receiver at that time. So Texas assigned two, uh, two and three years. I mean, there aren't a ton of those guys out there. This isn't Alabama. Uh, mm-hmm. This isn't Nick's peak Alabama roster. Um, but I, Texas will be just fine at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. I actually like the idea of having more guys from the portal – that have already done it at the receiver position in today and today's college football. You got to mix it with development. You want Decorian more, um, but uh, that experience it, it looms large at that position for me. Look yeah. at uh, look at FSU guys. Yeah, and if you got if you got quarterback talent, I think you'll get receivers to come. <laughs> receivers want to play with great quarterbacks. Texas is about <laughs> to have two guys drafting the first two exactly. wide receiver. Yeah, great wide receivers want to play with great quarterbacks. That's half the battle right there. Trust me, I was on campus when uh, Texas got three five-star receivers in the same class, B.J. Mm. Johnson, Sloan Thomas, and Roy Williams. And it was because they had Chris Sims. (laughs) They were like, hey, I want to go play with the best quarterback in the country, or at least the one that was rated as the best quarterback coming out in the country. And you got a celebrity quarterback in Arch Manning on campus. That helps. Uh, Everybody knows Malik. Uh, is considered a very you know top level prospect, elite prospect. He's got Sark says the strongest arm on the team. Um, so yeah, I don't think that'll be an issue. And Sark's got a reputation now, yeah, uh, for a guy that can weaponize wide receivers and get them drafted. He got that reputation, so we can always go back to oh, you know, I got a I got a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver on my resume, mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen a lot. If you want to no, go somewhere. Where you can wep- you can get you know weaponized and you get uh, valued. It will be in the Texas offense under Steve Sarkeesian. So I'm, I'm with I'm with Jerry on that. I don't think there'll be much of an issue. And you got the transfer board. Hey Matthew, I need to talk about Energy Texas if that's okay. Uh, and I just blacked out my screen there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. No, we lost him. Oh, well, well, all right, Rod. Well, uh, Energy Texas brought to you by Texans, not (laughs) Mackies. From the state of Texas, that's Energy Texas. Call them at 855-461-1129. That's Energy Texas. Texas electricity done right. Not bad for Ivan to read in front of me. I remember like two of those lines. Uh, (laughs) Rod, any other thoughts? I mean – on Houston now, I mean, we're up Wednesday night. It's not that far off. I mean, I know you've di- you've dove into them 
a little bit. But uh, U of H, anything new on your end or your thoughts pretty much the same with this game? I think, I mean, for me, it's pretty much out there. U of H can't stop Texas. Texas would have to stop themselves. Yeah. Uh, defensively, um, it's interesting that Sark mentioned tackling and, and causing fumbles. Not turnovers, but fumbles. For a guy that's very transparent, mm -hmm. he pretty much put it out there for Dana Holgerson what Texas is working on this week and the rest yeah. of the season. No, I totally agree. Uh, that was intentional, right? That was delivered yeah. by Sark bringing up tackling. Tackling was, hey, my man Ray is back. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you missed one hell of a read, Ray. <laughs> Jerry, did you Jerry talk about energy, man. Texas? I did. We're good. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm so sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Oh, man, that was nice. I think I need to sign up with Energy Texas. <laughs> <laughs> right? That, that was better than the read right there. there you yeah. Go. That's money. Wow, my apologies. Yeah, no. Well, and, brother, and it's, I, went, I went to their website. It's awesome. I'm going to probably check it out. It's uh, really good stuff and a lot of interesting options there. So, yeah, I need to look into it because I, I sure as hell went black, didn't I? <laughs> so uh, we're good. Go ahead, guys. Keep talking. I apologize. I'm listening. Oh, uh, just real quick, I'll summarize, but I, I want to keep this in mind. I don't know if Longhorn fans have been paying attention to Donovan Smith. He may have been, he may be right now on the verge of his best stretch of games as a college football player. Um, the last three games, he's completing 77.8% of his passes, 73.2% and 77.5% of his passes. To, to, to Jerry's point that he was talking about earlier uh, about the comfort level quarterbacks have in a certain system, this guy's been playing in the air raid system, all right, since he became a quarterback in college. So he's comfortable in that Dana Hogan's air raid system. And he's got nine touchdowns, zero interceptions in his last three games. Remember, this is a guy that was known for being a turnover prone, careless quarterback uh, with the football. Not the case right now. He's really starting to play some of his best football. Averaging almost uh, uh, over four and a half yards per carry right now, they, it's it's going to be a situation where they're going to make sure the ball is in his hands a lot, whether he's throwing the football or whether he has to, he can scramble on second reaction plays, whether it's designed quarterback run game or whether you know that's just him making a play out of nowhere. Donovan Smith is the guy you got to stop. You can cut the head off the snake. It's him. Uh, if you do that, uh, I think the job will be a whole lot easier. This game is going to either be a shootout or a blowout. And U of H is hoping it's a shootout. Texas is hoping it's a blowout because that that tech defense will give the numbers, but they're they're one of the worst defenses in the country. Yeah. And they are clearly the worst defense in the Big 12. And it's actually not close. Kansas hey, I, is a much better defense than they are. By the <laughs> way, it, it, different teams, different talent level for sure. This will be the second game in a row, though. You knew Oklahoma was gonna play the most aggressive game they possibly could after 49 nothing last year. Dana Holgerson was a, a Hail Mary away from probably not coaching against Texas. Mm. Oh, yeah. They're throwing everything at Texas Saturday afternoon. Everything, because he knows it may be his mm. last game at Houston. The next loss could be his last game as the head coach at Texas uh, at Houston. They're going to throw everything. So if Texas fans don't expect that, they're not following Dana Holgerson's this close to getting fired. Yep, I agree with that. Hey, Jerry, how do I say this kid's name? Jabari Antoine? Jabari Antoine, yeah, from uh, um, 2025 defensive back there out of Westgate High School in New Iberia. Same high school as Derek Williams. Those high school teammates with Derek Williams uh, last year. 
Uh, he's been to a couple of Texas games, comes up with the Williams family. Uh, Texas is very much in play for Javori Antoine. Again, now you're dipping into Louisiana on a kid that uh, everybody in the country is going to want at corner. But Texas is in a good spot with him early on. They got more than a puncher's chance. By the way, hey, Rod. Oh, go, sorry, Ray. No, I, I'm going to go to a different direction. Please uh, finish your thought with Rod. No, I was just going to say I was going to back uh, go back to that U of H game oh, for a second. We've we've talked all season about Texas getting off to a fast start offense. I yeah. think this is the first time all season we're saying Texas has to get off to a fast start on defense and not let Oklahoma uh, not let Oklahoma not let U of H build momentum off mm-hmm. of what Oklahoma got started against. Exactly. Yep, because I think they're going to try to pick up exactly where they left off. If you're Dana Hogerson, they laid out a really nice blueprint that you could not replicate like, you know, step by step, but you can you can present Texas with some very similar problems and issues. And if Texas did not solve those problems in the bye week, they don't – I can tell you, oh, U of H will move the football and will score some points. So we'll see. I think it's a it's a great opportunity for Texas. You got to – even if you're a Sark and PK, you got to like it because – you actually know exactly how U of H is going to attack you. Uh, the problem with that is those are the same ways Oklahoma attacked you, but Oklahoma was wildly successful. Uh, and we'll see if U of H can do that. I like some of U of H's pieces, though. I like Donovan Smith as the quarterback, and I like their wide receivers. They're, they're, it's a really good crop of wide receivers. We've talked about that, too. So they'll test those DBs' ability to not only cover in space, but to be able to tackle in space, more importantly. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, I saw you on uh, Josh's show on the uh, National On3 uh, broadcast earlier today. And so uh, I think the Florida-Texas kind of battles. Oh, yeah. That's kind of interesting. So what's going on there? Is this just coincidental? Is Texas trying to establish a beachhead in that territory? What's going on with the whole Texas and Florida really going after a lot of the same kids right now? What's Ray, that that's about? a great re- question, recruiting question. And I think this is just a, a big-time preview for Texas in the future recruiting. Um, Texas and Florida are interesting to me because really good academic institutions, right? So that are both going to be in the SEC. So there's going to be some similarities of kids that would like Florida and would like Texas for more reasons than just football. Um, So I think that's going to be interesting in itself moving forward in SEC. But Texas wants to recruit Florida. Uh, and, and Texas has had success in Florida. I mean, Senator Baxter in itself was success, right? And then they got Peyton Kirkland. This year they have Jarrett Gibson, DeAndre Robinson, the punter Michael Kern. But this is two years in a row that Tashar Choice has gone into the Sunshine State, um, which I love to call it because I live there six years and miss it every day, um, but is that they've gone in and got one of the top backs, and not just a top back, a top priority back of Florida State and Florida. I mean, so that that's what's interesting there. And Jarrett Gibson was a Florida commitment at one time. DeAndre Robinson grew up a Gators fan, right? And so Texas has come in there and gotten commitments from two of those guys who happen to be from Gainesville, Jarrett Gibson, even though he plays at IMG, and DeAndre Robinson's in Orlando, which is happy hunting ground there in Jacksonville for the Florida Gators down through Tampa in the Spurrier years and in the urban years, they dominated those areas of the States and recruiting as much as you can in Florida. So it is, there are some real wars in the future, I believe between these schools, especially as Texas digs more 
uh, heels into Florida and spends more time and resources recruiting in Florida, which it looks like they are, which I'm very excited about. Uh, because why would you not recruit the best two states for talent in the country if they're both in the SEC region now? It makes no sense not to. Uh, so the key there is Florida's still after the two guys committed to Texas from Florida, DeAndre Robinson and Jarrett Gibson. Uh, I think Jarrett Gibson's pretty solid at Texas. DeAndre Robinson, I'm going to call as an Inca's dry recruitment. Let me know in <laughs> December, okay? Uh, because he's going to play it out that way, even if his intentions may not be that way. Um, then you have in the state of uh, guys committed to Florida that Texas is after. Wardell Mack, the corner at Marrero era in New Orleans. Uh, Terry Joseph was at his game Friday. They're still listening to Texas. Florida State and LSU are, and Texas are recruiting Wardell Mack like the recruitment is in the balance. Um, and then you have Xavier Phil Same, who was just offered a couple of weeks ago as he was driving to the Cotton Bowl by Texas. Uh, his mom lives in Orlando. He, the dad lives in McKinney. He plays at McKinney High. A lot of people just said early on, and they were right. Uh, he's just going to go to Florida, back where he's from. The University of Florida will get him. Georgia's never backed off of him. They're still in it as well. Uh, and then you have Isaiah Williams out of Carrollwood Day, teammate of Solomon Williams, no relation. Their four-star receiver committed to Florida that Texas offered Sunday. Uh, and they really like his senior film, and so do Rod and I. I think they're on to something with that kid. Um, he was had a collarbone injury as a junior. So those are the five kids right now that Texas and Florida are battling over in just the 2024 cycle. I expect to have five, six, seven kids a year these two schools are battling over in the future. Hey, Rod. From a baller's perspective, let's say you're a top player. You want to compete at the highest level. How important is it, this SEC move? Is this So you, you hear it a lot. How substantial is that that the top kids want to play against top kids? Uh, yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, first of all, the SEC is where, and it, these young kids are aware of it, that's where all the uh, champions are, right? That's where uh, the big boy football is being played, the best brand of college football is being played. Um, that's where the most NFL draft picks are coming from. Uh, that's even more important, right? That matters to young guys because they yes. all have the same dream. They want to get to the NFL. Uh, part of that is playing against the best talent so you can have the best film. These guys are, you know, they're used to that culture, right? This is a seven-on-seven seven culture. You ever been to one of those seven-on-seven seven tournaments? You know what's trash talk is going on out there, seven-on-seven seven tournaments between these young guys? Uh, I do like that. They want to compete against the best, right? To beat a man, you got to beat the man. There's a Ric Flair mentality to it. Uh, and I remember that, too. I went to, you know, Jerry remembers uh, his uh, younger days in the on the recruiting trail throwing footballs to young guys like Rod B because I'm, I'm just looking for a competition. Yeah, uh, And I had to go to North Shore to go find where the best football players in the Houston area were. That's where they are. That's where I'm going to go. Yep. I'm going to go compete against them. And that's that's what these camps are all about. When the guys go to the camps, and they get to you get to compete against the best players in your region, in your area, in the state, in the country, and then prove yourself. And then in your mind, you go, well, I compete against the best. I must be the best. <laughs> Look how I performed against the best. So I, I do. I think that's the that's that dog element. We hear people talking about, oh, you got that dog in. All right. You got that dog in you. You want to go compete against the best to prove yourself. If you don't want to do that, then I question whether you got that dog in you. That's why guys want to go to the SEC. They ain't nothing but dogs. And they want to go there and compete and they want to prove, hey, among the the all the dog, the alpha dogs of the alpha dogs. I'm still the top dog, and there's that kind of element to it. So I think that's why everybody wants to go to SEC, man. It's where the best brand of football is being played. It's where all the best 
football players are. Not all of them, of course. You got some other places, but for the you're talking about the most of them, and most of those draftable guys are being drafted from the SEC. And that's how I would think of it. That's how I'd be looking at it if I was a young guy these days. That you really didn't have a dominant conference like that when I was coming out, Jerry. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah. a dominant conference like that. No, no. It rods. It rods spot on. I mean, that's what the kids are saying. That's all they talk about and have for years. Um, that that's just that's where all these kids are at. And I can guarantee you this: if Texas wasn't moving to the SEC, Colin Simmons would not be committed to Texas because he was going to yeah. play in the SEC. And I don't think Texas would be having this success in Florida in recruiting, period, if well, Texas wasn't moving to the SEC. doesn't matter if Sark's quarterback resume, offensive resume or not. If Texas was still going to be in the Big 12, they wouldn't have these kids from Florida. And even the promise of it the last couple of years, we wouldn't have half the offensive line we currently have. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, it's it's definitely helped bring in back-to-back top five classes and what should be three top ten classes in a row. We've had some concerns about the uh, receiver recruiting, Wingo, Hudson, things like that. Uh, so Chris Jackson's in his first year as receivers coach. Again, he's got the uh, background at modern day with the high school there himself. Uh, played uh, some, uh, what do you call it? I don't want to call it minor league football, it's professional football, not quite NFL. They may have been up with an NFL team briefly. But uh, had some uh, stints uh, coaching, was with the Chicago Bears, and then, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, the most recent uh, coaching uh, job before joining Texas. What do we think of uh, Coach Jackson so far as a recruiter? Too early to tell, or can we get an uh, idea so far? I think too early to tell on some level, but I think the problem, the part of the problem is uh, nowadays with NIL, recruiting is a little different. You can't just judge a guy on necessarily, okay, well, uh, Chris Jackson didn't get Ryan Wingo, so he must not be a good recruiter. Well, it, sometimes it's not those guys' decision. Okay, I mean, so you got there's some things that go with this now that weren't around. It's a much different now. Let's say that. Um, so you got people have to fans have to be careful basing an opinion off of a one recruit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one yeah. thing we can say about Chris Jackson, he's been very well received uh, um, amongst wide receiver recruits, high school coaches, uh, his recruiting area. He, he's getting he's getting he's been well received in those areas. I think he's. Uh, been very well received in the receiver room at Texas as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they asked specifically as a recruiter, part of being a recruiter nowadays is your wide receiver room at the college level. In the NIL day and age, um, that's part of it as well. So I, I think he's a, I think he's gotten very good reviews so far. But I think totally as a recruiter, this is his first cycle on the in the college game. So let's see how it goes in the future. And. Remember when uh, Coach Arkeesian mentioned, I know we want all the five stars. We want them all. The the deep sea diving, fishing yes. uh, analogy that he used. So you start going for the, the big fish, you're not going to catch them all. No, so, even close. Yeah. Hey, another uh, super chat. Thanks, uh, Kay Brink. And this just kind of surprised me here. Let's see if I can get a clean read there, Roddy B, if I can. First, first time seeing it. <laughs> but Jerry, why is Texas losing out on all the five-star D linemen? Again, somebody's saying we're not getting in all of the five stars on the defensive line and getting the development guys. Bo Davis is a great coach, did it at Bama. Why not at Texas? So uh, do you agree with Kay Brink's uh, supposition that we're losing out on all the five-star D linemen? Well, uh, look, I mean, how many five-star defensive linemen did Texas actually recruit in this cycle uh, on the interior defensive line? I mean, you know, look, those guys are massive recruiting battles, right? 
I mean, why is Nick Saban not stop getting him from Kirby Smart? Why is Alabama not getting those guys from Georgia anymore? I mean, like it's not it, – there's a lot that goes into this. Um, and, and like I said, it's not always on a, a position coach. It's not even always on a head coach sometimes. There's a lot that goes into all this stuff uh, nowadays. And uh, I think Texas will get uh, – Texas will get their share. I mean, look, one thing I always push back on is – there's not a lot of five-star defensive linemen. I, I, I think it's – look, it's part of my business. I get it. I've been doing it 22 years, and everybody thinks five-stars here. Texas should be getting all these five-star players. Why? Texas hasn't won in 15 years. Hmm. Why? Why They haven't had these guys drafted. Why? Where's the answer of why? Because if the answer is we're Texas, we should be getting these guys. Kids don't give a damn about that. Rod nope. just talked about it. Nope. What have they seen since they're 12? They've seen Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. That's what they've seen in LSU. That's where all those guys have gone and gotten drafted. So Texas has to get some – they're about to have more guys drafted than they have, I think, in a seven-round draft ever. Um, So I think you're starting to see some things change, but it's going to take time. It's still going to take time. I mean – and. Look, with NIL nowadays, I, I it's deep sea fishing, and you are definitely not going to get them all. I'll say yeah. that. Hmm. Good point. Hey, earlier, uh, Chris uh, Ross question. Uh, he was uh, showing some promise. He's the uh, – was it North Shore? Where's Chris Ross from? Um, down in the Houston area. Uh, yeah, North Shore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, very talented defensive uh, lineman. Uh, kind of lost some weight, and we kind of worried about his uh, – weight loss and kind of wondering where he fit in but then he came in and was killing it early on at the edge and uh but then he uh, what he hurt his elbow or something along those lines and yeah so have you heard anything about his uh status yeah yeah, you know what's interesting is i was by north shore i guess it was last week and they didn't the staff there didn't even hadn't even heard when for sure he'd be back and those guys normally know on their former players uh so i think it's a little bit in question when chris ross gets back he was not mentioned by sark in the press conference Monday, does right. Sark does meet with the media tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see if any of the uh, team coverage guys ask specifically about Chris Ross. Um, and we'll see what happens there. But he, since Sark is not mentioning him, we're I haven't heard that he's coming back soon. If he had a elbow dislocation, that seems like a little bit longer recovery for him. So we'll see if Sark comments on him tomorrow. But he definitely is the best first and second step pass rusher Texas has. I mean, there's no doubt just as far as BGO, as Rod calls it, he's got the best BGO until Colin Simmons walks on campus. Then the BGO contest is over. Um, But right now the BGO contest says Chris Ross has the best first and second step of the guys that have been playing. Hey, who's the most – Trey Day had a question about 2025 recruiting. Jerry, this would be uh, for you, and uh, Rod, I don't know if you uh, pay much attention to things that far in advance, but uh, the most tar- important target for us in 2025 recruiting, what do you think, Jerry? That's DeCorian Moore, and Rod watched DeCorian Moore. Uh, yeah. That's one that the great thing about having Rod uh, with us is Rod and I, I we're watching, he's getting to do some evaluation stuff and watching some of these guys Love it. Uh, in high school, but DeCorian Moore, as far as receivers, is number one on the board. There's no doubt, especially with Ryan Williams working to reclassify to 2024. Um, I, I think that's uh, 
as something that plays into it because Ryan Williams is a special player, but DK Moore is a special player as well. Is he the top guy in Texas on the board? Right now he is. I think what's interesting about the state of Texas in recruiting in 2025 is there isn't on the defensive side that Colin Simmons guy, right? So anytime a receiver or corner, is your, those are your number one and two guys, that means at the top it may not be a great year at some positions for your big guys, uh, but the depth in 2025 in the state of Texas I think is tremendous. I watched a lot of tape late last week on guys because a lot of midseason huddles are out now. So at the top, maybe not as great as some past years, but the depth across the state is tremendous. Now that impacts Texas because Texas wants it to be great one through 45. Yeah. Uh, when it's the depth is great, that's really good for all these other programs. Uh, so Texas, I expect to go national in a big way again next year, uh, but they do like the in-state crop of offensive linemen. There may not be – Michael Fasusi's really good. I don't think he's Kelvin Banks level. He's really good, uh, but Texas thinks there's some really good offensive linemen, and I agree, in the state next year. So that may be a class where you only take one out-of-state lineman unless a second guy pops up. Um, there's a kid, John Mills, in San Francisco that Texas really likes as a guard. But right now, it's a lot of in-state guys around that. A lot of other positions, I think Texas is going out-of-state. Hmm. Nice. Hey, uh, Matthew, there's something that was asked by Freshwater Cajun at 7.35. Let's uh, take a peek at uh, Freshwater Cajun's comment. Uh, needs to focus on winning. We all agree with that. Like the coach said, win or go home. So uh, Roddy's asking a question about the defensive strategy, kind of a three-high look, uh, the bend, not break defense against the Cougars. This guy, Freshwater Cajun, would just like to get us out, go out there and kick some butt and win and reinvigorate our confidence. What do you think our approach needs to be defensively, specifically against uh, Holgerson and the Cougars? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the approach is uh, from PK. I think he's going he's gonna to lean toward being aggressive. Um, if the lesson was learned from the Oklahoma game, they weren't aggressive enough in the Oklahoma game. Uh, you think about that last you know, game-winning drive, Texas only brought pressure once, and then they were both – they had two guys in the same gap, so they had a, a gap integrity breakdown. I think he actually may try to light up Donovan Smith a little bit just to see if you can speed up his internal clock a little bit. Um, if he is indeed a now an evolved quarterback, like I just talked about, he's had a really good stretch in the last three games here, uh, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, completing really high percent of his passes. Um, you know, I would like to test to see if he is willing to stay in the pocket, make some tough throws, or if you can make him revert back to his old Donovan Smith ways where he'll just abandon the pocket run or he'll be forced into making some bad decisions with the football um, so I wouldn't give him time, but the tempo is what he's really got to solve there because the tempo can negate any type of uh, blitz pressure you're trying to bring if they're going up tempo and keeping Texas off balance. Um, so I think the thing that, that he's going to do in this game, honestly, I think he's going to try to come after Dunvin Smith early on in some predictable passing situations. Uh, U of H's run game isn't great, but it's still uh, it's a competent run game. But it'll be Donovan Smith with the non-traditional running game. That's why I think guys like Anthony Hill playing early might be big. And he's your – sorry even said it. He's one of your best pass rushers too. Um, I think this might be a game for Anthony Hill as a spy, but also as the pass rusher in certain downs 
uh, in certain passing situations because I think that's what U of H wants to do. They want to throw the football. That's how they're going to keep the ball in Donovan Smith's hands as much as possible. Gives them their best chance to win. So Texas doesn't do any three high. That's not really what they do. Um, but they can play a bend but don't break defense against U of H. But I think they're going to go after Donovan Smith because bend but don't break is kind of what they tried against Oklahoma um, and didn't really work. Remember, they yeah. bent, but then they went to the, the, the red zone, then they broke in the red zone. They So they bent, then they broke. Right, uh, because the red zone they gave up six of six in the red zone. So I think that's got. And by the way, Texas defense in red zone is top three in the country. They got one of the top five best red zone defenses in the country. It just wasn't a great red zone defense against a really good quarterback. Something Longhorn fans got to got to start recognizing is that Texas only played three starting quarterbacks this year. That's it. I basically have stopped looking at the film of the backup quarterbacks. I don't consider it my sample size anymore. It's not worth it. It's distorting the sample. You go just look at the Alabama game, the Oklahoma game, and then go look at the Rice game, right? Those are only times three Texas played three starting quarterbacks. The sample looks a little bit different, and then some of the the vulnerabilities and the ways Texas defense was exposed start to stick out a little bit more. And that's what I've been kind of tracking from those three games. That's what mm-hmm. and I think I bet, I bet that's what they're watching too, watching Texas defense versus those backups. Honestly, it's it's a moot point. It, it's really just kind of distorts your 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 sample size. Yeah, interesting take. We're going to wrap it up with this one. Hey, okay, I want. Ahead, I, yeah, I want, uh, I'll I'll get to Nayor. Um, then I, I'm going to make another point about D line recruiting, so people just don't think I'm like making excuses or anything because I'm not. There's a point to it. Uh, uh Dale and Nayor, I'm not sure he's has he with the team. I'm not sure mentally he's there. You know, I, I fully expect if he can grad transfer and go somewhere else, that's what he'll do. Um, what's going on? I, look, the better players are playing. I, I mean, I, I mean, who are you going to take? Who are you going to take off the field for him? You're not going to take Ad Mitchell or Worley off the field to get him snaps. Not going to happen. Um, and and I, and it's unfortunate Nayor had the knee injury because he looked tremendous when he was healthy. But the reality is, he hasn't been that same guy. Um, he he just hasn't. I mean, you know, that's just reality. By the way. We mentioned earlier on D, just on D line recruiting because, look, I, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I work in the business, but I also work in the business with and say always say this about defensive line recruiting. It's a developmental position still. There are very few five star guys out there. If you say there's four five star guys in a class, I'm not saying that's a number, but if you say there's four, one's going by the wayside from injury off the field or whatnot. There's three guys left in the whole country. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your first team AP midseason AP All-American team was Howard Cross at Notre Dame, a fifth-year player who's ranked 315 in the country. Mm. Your second guy was Jerzon Newton on first team, a fourth-year guy from Illinois out of Clearwater, I believe Catholic High. He was a three-star. Your second team guys were Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, three-star and low four-star player. No five-star guys. There's just very few of those guys, actually. You have to evaluate and develop these guys on the defensive line extremely well. I know everybody wants to get five-star everything. Jordan Davis at Georgia, their best D-line was a three-star guy. I mean, in that class. All three of them are first-round picks, don't get me wrong, but Jordan Davis was a three-star player. Not every guy Georgia gets is a five-star guy. There was a five-star, four-star, and a three-star guy. So, I mean, it's just – that's just more the reality of all of us. 
No, great perspective on that because development matters. I mean, you, yeah, you want to mold the clay that's the perfect moldable clay, but that's not always what you get. But if you can take whatever clay you get and turn it into a masterpiece, you know, then you can make something work and win. And, and, by, and by the way, by the way, fans aren't. And I want to say this because I love all the fans. I think college coaches get impatient at that position too. By the way, not defensive line coaches. But offensive coaches in college football, you know, look, this is a Rod. You played. I mean, have, has there been another Casey Hampton at Texas since you played at Texas? Not even close. Well, do we think there will be another one? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> one guy that good. Yeah. I in mean, what, it, it, that's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sean Rogers. Those two guys played together. I'm not. I don't think Texas. I mean, Malcolm Brown was a good, very good player. <laughs> he wasn't Casey Hampton. Agreed. Casey Hampton had a hundred freaking tackles in college as a nose guard. I mean, but the, my point is, is it's just you, in the day and age of the portal. I think the hard thing for some college coaches is they get impatient with the developmental process on the defensive line. And I would push back on any of those guys. If they were on this show, Go look at that position around college football. It's still a developmental position. That's not me sticking up for the Texas D-line coach mm -hmm. if it's Bo Davis or whoever the next guy is. That's just where that's just the reality of it. Yeah. Agreed. And isn't it better that you have a coach on your staff like Bo Davis who can develop those guys into that level of player? Yeah. So there you go. Hey, Energy Texas, the presenting sponsor tonight. Thank you so much. And I'm not going to destroy my feed this time because i'm just gonna read it off my little thing right here if you do, so, I energy texas to read well good man <laughs> hey uh, there are two types of people people who are from texas and folks who wish they were at energy texas we're for texans by texans and our rewards program proves it so revel in savings just for being a faithful customer visit energytexas.com to learn more save more and get the excellent service you all deserve so there it is energy texas energytexas.com interesting website and you saw the uh, phone number up there too please uh, go check it out there we're very grateful to them for being the sponsor tonight hey jerry thanks so much man for hopping on you're Bob always it, welcome always. We, hey for you man we'll bump wells anytime right roddy b we'll just say hey, man. <laughs> Look, justin's over there biting his fingernails because the astros are at five nothing right now uh he, he he predicted that this would happen we all know that the astros uh, want to be on the road they'd rather not Play at Minute Maid, so this is where they want to be, and so things are probably uh, going to be very interesting in this series moving forward. So, uh, hey, fellas, thank you so much for uh, walking me through this and holding my hand and helping me do this. It's the Longhorn live stream on a Wednesday night. Again, my name is Ray Peters, and I'm uh, very happy to be alongside Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. We thank you so much. Hey, Jerry, are you on in the morning with coffee and football? I am. I am. I'll be coffee and football. Uh, got got a, got the bird dogs here. You know, got oh, that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, hey, got man. the manscaped handyman. You know, we got <laughs> we got everything. Um, yeah. So I know Roth loves that. <laughs> there it is. Oh no, they get oh, the free. They get a free plug on the Wednesday show. There go. Hey, right. they need. Hey, manscaped. Hey. You know, done, send baby. us that. I need a Wednesday sponsor. <laughs> Tell those guys to come on to the Wednesday thing. I'll I'll do it up big time for them. So uh yeah, we, we need some help on the Wednesday show. But anyway, so that'll do it for tonight. Fellas, I really appreciate it. We'll let you go watch some baseball now. 
All right, guys. That's it for the Wednesday night Longhorn live stream. Again, for uh, Rod and Jerry, I'm Ray. See you next time. Thank you. Welcome.